Hello and welcome to another show about the Southeast. We are y'all. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. Thank you for tuning us in on great radio stations across Dixie, or if you're catching us on one of the very, very numerous podcast options, we appreciate you. We're on the iHeart app, on the TuneIn radio app, we're on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. Always good to be joined by a bunch of friends. It's a lot more fun when you're amongst friends, and that's what we have going on here on this middle-of-the-week edition of the Y'all Show. Temperatures across the South here this week seem to be a little bit higher than they were last week, and I think I broke out in a little bit of sweat, just kind of doing normal things on Tuesday. I, I don't like that. I actually did a little laundry, laundry day. We got to start having a segment here in the show where we call it Laundry Day, and it's not necessarily to learn about how much detergent to put in the washing machine. It's where you can air out your laundry here, literally, on the show about the South. You can air out your laundry, frankly, anytime you want to. There's a simple way to do that. That way is by texting us. Our text line here at the Y'all Show is 803-816-1170. Welcome your feedback. We'd love to share it with all y'all. And, of course, you can find our website. It's y'all.com, the South's homepage. Hey, let me tell you what's in store today on the Y'all Show. Here this hour, we've got headlines from across the Southeast that we'll be scanning and telling you all about it. Sadly, an update from Florida as a murder of a law enforcement officer happened on Friday, and now the suspect captured after a manhunt. I'll share that with you. Did you hear about that plane crash in West Virginia? Three people killed. I'll fill you in on that from West Virginia. Plus the sad story of a couple from Georgia celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and they were two of the three people killed when the Amtrak train they were traveling on crashed. It went off the rails in rural Montana over the weekend, and we'll bring you some information on that couple again. What was supposed to be an amazing, great experience ends up taking both of their lives with this Amtrak collision there, or derailment, more importantly, to get the wording right. In Atlanta on Tuesday, a man armed with a bow and arrow carjacks a woman, and then the man was shot by an officer during a standoff. We'll tell you more about what happened there as the standoff went down in Marietta. Also in our headlines around the southeast, an update from Annapolis, Maryland, and the gunman that killed five people has now received a life sentence with five sentences of life for his prison term. We'll let you go to Annapolis and learn more about this sad story from several years ago. Also, along the same vein of an update, the Atlanta spa shooting suspect from, when was that, back in the winter of this year? The spa shooting suspect has now pleaded not guilty in four killings on that killing spree that happened in the Atlanta area. Also, good news in Florida, if you're a worker there, minimum wage increasing to $10 per hour this week. I'll let you know what all that means. And even better news out of both Kentucky and Tennessee, as Ford has announced that they're going to put in billions of dollars and create over 10,000 jobs at locations in both Kentucky and West Tennessee. 
and all this is part of their effort to create electric vehicle and electric vehicle battery factories and the places that make electric vehicles. Again, a major announcement for both Kentucky and Tennessee, and I'll bring you in on more of what that means as we go through our headlines today. Also, we'll let you know how a football, it's not a good thing at the prison in North Carolina, a football was hiding drugs inside of it and was found near a North Carolina prison fence. Oh, those people get really creative when they need to throw in their druggies. And also, we'll update you from Prince George's County in Maryland. There have been, for about a month now, five escapees, and they have been on the lam since August 31st. But I should correct myself. They've not been on the lam. They've been on the zebra, five zebras that escaped from a farm in Maryland a month ago have still not been caught. What's going on? Have you seen a zebra running through your yard somewhere around Maryland? I'll let you know about that as we go through our headlines here today. Also, sports information from across the southeast. We have a sports report and good news for quarterback Rhett Rodriguez, the son of the legendary West Virginia and Michigan and Arizona coach Rich Rodriguez as the Louisiana Monroe quarterback has gone home after a hospital stay. He was then the ICU following a lung injury that he suffered in a game against the Troy Trojans over the weekend. So that is great news there for the Rodriguez family to see their son, Rhett, go home. I don't know more right now, but we'll try to bring you the latest on this developing story from Monroe, Louisiana. Also, an update from the Kentucky Wildcat football program. A grand jury has declined to indict six U.K. football players on first-degree burglary charges. I'll have info on that, plus some scheduling news for the Virginia Cavaliers. Hey, it is a big weekend this weekend at Protective Stadium. And you're sitting there thinking, where the heck is Protective Stadium? That's the brand-new home of the UAB Blazers. And this weekend, it will be open for the first time as the Blazers welcome in the Liberty Flames for a game Saturday. And it is quite a beautiful facility there in downtown Birmingham. I'll tell you more about it, some of the facts about that, plus some high school football news out of the state of Maryland. And did you hear what Bryson DeChambeau has done just hours after he helped the United States capture the Ryder Cup? Bryson DeChambeau participated in the Professional Long Drivers Association World Championships in Nevada, and I'll give you the measurements of the SMU alumnus, Bryson DeChambeau. That's part of our sports coverage here today. Also, we've got hashtag Hullabaloo. That's coming up where we go on social media and share some of the wild, crazy, fun stuff going on in the social media stratosphere. That's headed your way here this first hour. And Melissa Rhodes is going to be filing a Southern accent on great Southern culture. That's all here, hour number one. Hour number two today, we're going to have to rewind a couple of weeks. Our barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Hermans, is a busy fella. And it looks like he's not going to be able to come on today with a brand new report. So we're going to take you back to September 15th, where he comes on and talks about cooking and grilling and getting through when you don't have electricity. So many people here in the South have had terrible natural disasters where they haven't had the opportunity to have electricity. Matt Herman's weighs in on that. 
Plus, he also discusses the Big 12 Conference, as he is an insider with that conference, and he specifically kind of weighs in on the departure of Texas and Oklahoma to the Southeastern Conference. All that in an encore of our September 15th interview with our barbecue barrister and our Big 12 insider, Matt Hermans. That's coming your way, hour number two. And then we'll get back to the real live stuff of today and bring you the latest book report, courtesy of the New York Times, the best sellers out there. That'll wrap up hour two. Hour three today... I had a rough night, y'all. I think I'm a grown man. I really do. But I had something that happened to me uh, just last night when I was sleeping like a baby. I woke up and I said, something's not right here. Am I having a stroke? What's going on? And I did something that I have never done in my entire life. And I was uh, rather embarrassed by it. And I was rather upset that I think I had ruined some things. And it turns out, thanks to something called Google, I did a little Googling. I started asking friends, hey, what would you do in this situation? And they told me their advice. And I used something I found off the website first to try to help out my situation. And for the most part, it worked out. And I'm back in business. I'm a happy guy. But I'm embarrassed about what I did And you're just going to have to stick around to hour three to hear me go off on my stupidity of what I did just last night. And it's why I'm maybe a little grumpy today. I did not have the best of evenings while getting my beauty sleep. That's coming up hour three plus uh, more headlines and more sports news all right here. And a reminder again, you can always connect to us here on the show about the Southeast. All you have to do is is text that line 803-816-1170. All right, let's dive into some headlines here to get this Wednesday edition off the ground. And we start off with an update from Florida. Sadly, a officer there in Nassau County was killed Friday. And a manhunt has been underway and officers trying to find who killed this hero from the Nassau County Sheriff's Office, Deputy Josh Moyers was killed after someone shot him twice during a traffic stop on Friday. He died at a hospital there in Nassau County in that area on Sunday. This hero in blue, Josh Moyers of the Nassau County, Florida Sheriff's Office. So the update was the alleged cop killer was fatally shot during a traffic stop Tuesday. And this is a former Marine that was part of this traffic stop. And that concludes a five-day manhunt where schools in Florida went into lockdown because officers were looking for 35-year-old Patrick McDowell, and they ended up finding him. A command given for McDowell to come out, a dog went in, and ultimately, after several commands to get on the ground and crawl like a baby like the coward he is, that according to Nassau County Sheriff Bill Leeper, Law enforcement able to get him by an arm, and officers placed the man in handcuffs. Those handcuffs, by the way, belonged to Nassau County Deputy Josh Moyers, the deputy who just lost his life on Sunday. And now McDowell in custody. According to authorities, this all stemmed Friday 
when McDowell allegedly shot the deputy several times during a traffic stop in Callahan, Florida, and law enforcement then set up a perimeter of about five miles covering 3,000 acres. It took them several days, but ultimately this bad guy, this cop killer, Patrick McDowell, arrested and now in custody. Our thoughts with the Nassau County Sheriff's Office, our thoughts with the family of the late officer from that department, Josh Moyers. A plane has crashed in the southern portion of West Virginia, and three people have died. The plane crashed Sunday. It was a single-engine Beechcraft C-23, and it went down after taking off from the Fayette Airport in Fayetteville, West Virginia. That, according to the FAA, a police captain said that the wreckage was found near a barn in the rural community of Lansing. That's a few miles from the New River Gorge Bridge about 50 miles southeast of the state capital of Charleston, West Virginia. The bodies were found inside the plane. State police there in West Virginia identifying the victims as 38-year-old Nick Fletcher, 36-year-old Michael Taphouse, and 39-year-old Wesley Farley. All three were from the Chesapeake, Virginia area. The FAA and NTSB continue to investigate this plane crash again in a rural portion of West Virginia over the weekend. Sad story. You might have heard about the Amtrak crash that happened in Montana where several people died. Unfortunately, two of, I think, the reported three that died when this Amtrak train went off the rails, two of the three were a couple from coastal Georgia, a couple that had sold real estate for decades and they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, Don and Margie Varnado. And they decided to take this dream vacation on Amtrak, and they died when the train derailed over the weekend. Also killed was a 28-year-old Illinois man. And that's just a terrible, terrible thing. Something I've always wanted to do, according to authorities, that is, get on an Amtrak train and go out west because it's a beautiful part of the world, especially on an Amtrak train. But unfortunately, according to authorities, this train was going just under the speed limit at about 70 miles per hour when it went off the track along a gradual curve and it ejected passengers. The Amtrak Empire Building, or rather Empire Builder, was going from Chicago to Seattle and it crashed near Joplin, Montana. That's near the Canadian border. And the train, which had 141 passengers on it and 16 crew members, had two locomotives and 10 cars, eight of which derailed with some tipping onto their sides. Residents in that community mobilized that day to help injured passengers. Something that rarely happens for a train to literally just go off the rails, especially in this portion of Montana. But if you don't know much about Montana's topography, You might think it's all mountainous, maybe, and that something like this would be natural to happen. I'm going to pull it up here because I had to learn from watching a video of a guy travel across the country on this exact same train, not the same same day, but this Empire Builder train, which goes from Chicago to Seattle. I have kind of... Well, let's just be honest. I watch crazy stuff on YouTube. And one of the things that I kind of got into a loop for a while watching 
was all these people take these Amtrak trains and go on destinations. And I've gone on a train, virtually that is, on the Empire Builder. I've also gone on the train that goes on the southern end of the country from, I think that train took off from D.C. and went to Los Angeles. I've taken that route. I haven't done virtually the city of New Orleans, which goes from Chicago to New Orleans. That's on my bucket list. But anybody can do it. You just go on YouTube. There's several people. A lot of a lot of European travelers document their whole train experience. And sadly, I, I must admit, I've I've done that a couple times. And I want to do it. I, I would do it right now. I'm still kind of, I'm not that scared, but I still think we need to get a little bit further down the road from a coronavirus standpoint before you decide to go spend a couple of days on a kind of cooped up environment with about 140 of your closest friends that you don't really know (laughs) and a bunch of crew members too. I don't think it would be as much fun to go on an Amtrak train these days. Maybe soon. Can't wait. Can't wait to do what this couple celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary were doing when sadly they lost their lives over the weekend. Saturday again, this thing crashing near Joplin, Missouri. And I was Going to look this up because on our y'all show today, we're going beyond the South. And I'm going to show you on a map, if you were sitting here beside me, where Joplin, Montana is located. Because Montana, you might not realize this, is a very big state. And so this Empire Builder goes across North Dakota on its way out to Seattle. And this Empire Builder is right there scooting along the Canadian border. I guess it would be, in this case, not all that far from Calgary, as this thing is right on the Montana-Alberta border, south of Medicine Hat, but technically in the United States on this particular route. So Montana, the eastern portion of it, is actually rather flat and rather almost like prairie land, borderline desert, you could say. It's that western end of the state of Montana that's so mountainous. Places like Missoula and off into other corners of the state. It's it's the eastern half of the state. It's rather flat. And that was a little bit surprising to me when I, again, watched my virtual guy go across the country on Amtrak. What's neat is they pull into a lot of these towns for a... I forgot what they call it, but it's basically a smoke break. And they pull into these towns, and they have about a 20 to 25-minute break. And a lot of these towns, of course, people know when the Amtrak train's passing through. So they'll have kind of like your little roadside stand type thing set up near the Amtrak station. And people get out, go, and get coffee. And some of them have food that they can serve up real quick in case you aren't happy with what's being served on the train. And I enjoyed watching people run so that they didn't get left behind. When you heard the the guy or gal yell out, all aboard, yeah, that that's a legitimate thing. You better get your tail back on the train. But, but yeah, it's pretty neat to take these virtual tours on Amtrak. And, and maybe you've done it. If you've gone on Amtrak and you really enjoyed it or you hate it, I don't care either way. We'd like to hear about it here at the Y'all Show because we're all for promoting that. In fact, you know, that's Joe Biden's 
favorite thing to do is go on Amtrak. I think he, he's probably going to find a whole lot of government waste in his time in office and put it toward Amtrak. And, hey, if it's if it ends up saving money or it's something needed, there's plenty of other waste in the government. Why not let Amtrak be wasteful too? But, yes, unfortunately, whatever reason, this derailment happened and two Georgians died over the weekend. Another story out of the Peach State, a man in the Atlanta area armed with a bow and arrow carjacks a woman and ends up being shot by an officer during a standoff in the Marietta area. Atlanta police called to the scene of this carjacking just after 6 a.m. Tuesday, found a female victim who reported that a white male took her 2014 Toyota Camry. She said the man was armed with a bow and arrow when he approached her while she was inside her vehicle. He then fired an arrow into the windshield and demanded she exit the car. The victim was not injured during the incident. That's good news. Police investigating. They learned that the man matched a suspect's description and armed with a similar weapon had unsuccessfully tried carjacking two motorists prior to taking the Toyota Camry. Ultimately, officers able to track him down. And in Marietta, the police department there took the suspect into custody following a standoff. Cobb police there, Cobb County, confirmed that the vehicle involved in a crash was the same Toyota Camry that had been carjacked earlier. And this followed a shootout of some type. And we're not sure where shots were fired or whether the suspect was injured, but there was a standoff with this suspect in Cobb County after he pulled off the crazy stunt of trying to carjack, or successfully, I guess you could put it down in that category, carjacking with a bow and arrow, for goodness sakes. All right, with that, we got to take a break. I don't know. Y'all talk with an accent on all things Southern. That's what we do each and every day. We will come right back and bring you the day's sports news. We got a little bit of college football information. Hey, the UAB Blazers have a super special weekend planned this weekend, and I'll tell you exactly why. That's all part of the sports headlines of the day, and that's coming up next. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
That is the fight song of the ULM Warhawks. And to Monroe, Louisiana we go. And some very good news out of that football program. Rhett Rodriguez, the son of legendary football coach Rich Rodriguez. His son, Rhett, a quarterback for the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, got injured and suffered a lung injury during the win against Troy from this past weekend. And we've got an update. He had to go into the hospital, and he was in the intensive care unit at Francis Medical Center with a collapsed lung and chest trauma. But according to Rich Rodriguez, the former college football coach at both West Virginia and Michigan, he also had a stunt, or rather a stint, at Arizona and a little stunt as an offensive coordinator for, I think, the Mississippi Landsharks a couple years ago. Rich Rodriguez says his son is back home, taking off a ventilator on Monday. That's wonderful news. Rich Rod called it an amazing recovery, saying the injury might have occurred on the first play of the game. Rhett Rodriguez in this one completed 10 of 16 passes for 131 yards and a touchdown as the Warhawks won 29-16 over the Troy Trojans. And Rich Rod, again, a great coach. One time had a chance, I think, to be the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Rich Rodriguez currently is in his first season on Terry Bowden's staff. He is the ULM associate head coach and offensive coordinator. And his son, the one that was injured there, Rhett Rodriguez, is a graduate transfer who played first at Arizona and came into ULM and was named the starting quarterback this summer after enrolling at the school in Northeast Louisiana back during the summer months. So good news from a college football perspective. Continued success to Rhett Rodriguez. We hope he gets back on a gridiron soon, and we like good news. We like positive news. Not so good news coming from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, but it goes down as good news if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan. A grand jury has declined to indict six U.K. football players who were charged with first-degree burglary charges. And this Fayette County, Kentucky grand jury declining to indict the football players on these first-degree burglary charges on Tuesday. The charges were brought last month after a police investigation of an incident from March at a private party. Lexington police earlier in the year arrested Reuben Adams, Robert McLean, DeVito Tisdale, Joel Williams, Ernest Sanders IV, and Andrew Phillips. Arrested them on October, or rather August 19th. Also, Tisdale charged with first-degree wanton endangerment for allegedly pointing a gun at one of the victims. All of these players pleaded not guilty back on August 20th and later waived their cases to a straight state grand jury. And after this came out on Tuesday that they would not be charged, one of the players, Reuben Adams, tweeted after the decision that he was glad the truth finally came out and that he was excited to be back on the field. Now, these dismissals come a day after Mark Stoops said he hoped for an update on their cases. So these six, I guess, will be back in the good graces of U.K. football, and they're going to need them. Kentucky host number 10, Florida, at Kroger Field Saturday night. It's a battle of unbeaten, no, Florida lost. That's right, to Alabama. Kentucky's unbeaten. I know that. 
and they're 2-0 and in the SEC already. They got wins over Missouri and South Carolina. They got the Florida Gators, who defeated them not long ago, 31 straight years. And Kentucky is tired of hearing about that. Kentucky needs to start a new win streak after losing the last two times to the Gators and Dan Mullen. And so Kentucky with a great opportunity ahead of them this weekend. Let me tell you about UAB. If you haven't checked out what's going on with this trending forward program out of Conference USA, you're missing out. This weekend, UAB has its true first home game ever. I mean ever. And that's because they have left behind the old gray lady. That's Legion Field, the legendary football field there in Birmingham. After kind of being nomads there for 25 years, the UAB Blazers now have a stadium all to themselves. It's protective stadium, and this stadium is not technically on the UAB campus, but it, I think it's a little closer than the old gray lady was to the UAB campus. This is right there in downtown Birmingham, and it is a jewel, a jewel that will be on display for the first time when Hugh Freeze and the Liberty Flames come to the Magic City for a 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central time. This is a game going to be televised between UAB and Liberty on the CBS Sports Network, and it's going to be just just awesome to see UAB, which got shut down a few years ago for lack of interest, I guess would be one way to say it. Well, now they've got this amazing stadium that was put together for less than a billion dollars, and what a job in a very short amount of time that the administration there, the city of Birmingham, what they've done. And I am excited to see more than 40-something thousand souls if they end up showing up in person to cheer on Bill Clark's UAB Blazer football program. And that, again, first home game ever, first true home game, going to be Saturday night against Liberty. And the funny thing about Protective Stadium, it kind of, if you see photos of it, or you see it on TV, or you're there in person, it, it's like a miniature version of Legion Field. I, I kind of like it. And it really is a beautiful place. They, they've they done a great job building this thing in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. That's a quick look at some sports news. We will have more sports headlines, including an update to the Virginia Cavaliers' future football schedules. That plus something out of Maryland in terms of high school football. We will share all of that as we continue on with the Y'all Show today and our sports headlines. When we come right back, we're going to switch over to social media. It is hashtag hullabaloo. And we're going to go on and see what people are saying about the Southland, and I'll share it with you. That's headed your way next. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. 
Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. are the show covering everything southern i am john rawl we are the y'all show and we have now what we call hashtag hullabaloo this is where we go on social media and some of this stuff just kind of magically shows up in our social media accounts and we share it with y'all and we have two things that we're going to share here in this installment of Hashtag Hullabaloo. And this was not planned, and I did not kind of put my finger on the scale and say, yeah, let's do it this way because I'm from this awesome southern state. This was not planned. But today, our Hashtag Hullabaloo kind of, sort of, <laughs> it does have a South Carolina spotlight. And it's because of two social media posts that have caught our eyes here at the y'all show. So get your sand lapper on because we're going to go to pinch me. I'm eating. That's at pinch me. I am eating on social media as this post. And this is something that some of you may not be aware of. So please, this is important stuff. This is extremely important stuff. I'm going to tell you about Something you would absolutely love if you ever had a chance to taste it. And you should. Because it is out there no matter where you are. You just might have to look a little extra hard for it. Okay? And I know because I just saw something with this at a Ace Hardware store on Tuesday. When I went in trying to buy a new hammer, I saw they had a section for grills and they had barbecue sauces. And they had what I'm about to tell you there. At an Ace Hardware store, and it wasn't even 500 miles from South Carolina. All right. Uh, It was more than 500 miles, I should clarify. All right, so Pinch Me I'm Eating has a post up that says, Mustard-based barbecue is local to the Midlands and low country of South Carolina, and it's the only way I'll eat my pulled pork. If you haven't had mustard-based barbecue sauce yet, give it a try. Again, from the website, Pinch Me, I'm Eating, and they have this up there. And you know what? I can, without a doubt, certify the accuracy of what they just said because 
Yours truly is a Midlands born and raised and low country educated and hopefully one day a low country resident again. Uh, got a, got a little ways to go, but, uh, this is absolutely true. Mustard based barbecue sauce is what you'll predominantly find in the Midlands. That's the Columbia and good, good, good old Lexington County with places like Pion and Irmo and the greatest city in that county. It's not even a city. It's a town. It's called Lexington. It's the county seat. And Batesburg, Leesville too. That, and then we don't want to leave out Richland County because over there you got, of course, the state capital of Columbia. You got Newberry in that area, Saluda, all in the Midlands. And then when you take it down to the low country, and we start there around Orangeburg, basically where you start seeing Spanish moss is the low country. And we got Orangeburg County with great places like Holly Hill. And I'm going to come back to Holly Hill in a second and brag on it more than any place because it really, in my opinion, is the home of mustard based barbecue. But of course, the low country's got your Charleston, your Beaufort, your Hilton Head, Bluffton. It's got your Walterboro, Georgetown. I would, I think that's at Somerville. Don't want to leave out Flower Town. Yeah, that that's your low country area, in my opinion. Now I know technically, probably the Myrtle Beach area is kind of a low country area, but that's the Grand Strand. That's a whole little different corner, whole different subset. But in those areas, most barbecue restaurants have mustard based barbecue, and the reason I was going to single out Holly Hill is Holly Hill which is in the lower end of Orangeburg County, about halfway between Columbia and Charleston, right off of Interstate 26. That is the ancestral home of the Bessinger family. And the Bessinger family, in my opinion, are the ones more than anybody that get credit for mustard-based barbecue and, and kind of making it what it is because you had Maurice Bessinger and you've got Melvin Bessinger, two brothers who had their own barbecue restaurants in these two different places. Maurice was the king of the Columbia area, Lexington County, as he was the king of Midlands Barbecue. And then his brother, Melvin, a Citadel graduate, by the way, started the Melvin's chain around the Charleston area. And there, of course, are other barbecue places and all of these places. But those two, the Bessinger family, are royalty in South Carolina. And, you know, the funny thing is, in their later years, those two brothers were at odds and absolutely hated each other. More on that one day in a uh, Netflix documentary to go along with Tiger King, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, barbecue in South Carolina and these two areas, mustard-based is, barbecue is king. It, and it is awesome. It is just great. Now, some mustard-based barbecue is a little sweeter than other varieties. I love the sweet. There's a place in my home county. Maybe the most famous barbecue place in my home county, Sheely's in Leesville, South Carolina. I don't like their mustard-based barbecue. I like everything else they got. They offer now a North Carolina-style vinegar barbecue sauce when you go in there, and that's what I use more than anything. I do sample their mustard-based. I don't like their mustard-based because I don't think it's sweet enough. But, boy, the style of their barbecue is great. And all of their other stuff, from the fried chicken to the rice. And one of the things South Carolinians do is they have rice and hash with their barbecue. And that's delicious if you've never had it. Check that out sometime. But 
PinchMeEyeMeeting.com has taken the time to actually share a mustard-based South Carolina barbecue sauce recipe. And I can't tell you exactly how to make it, but let me tell you some of the ingredients. Of course, you've got yellow mustard in there, brown sugar, Worcestershire sauce, apple cider vinegar, some red hot, and black pepper. There's other ingredients. Go to pinchmeimeating.com and you can check this thing out in its entirety and it would be well worth the effort. Also, don't forget, if you go to a place that sells barbecue sauces, there is a high probability now that barbecue sauces and grilling is so cool, there's a good chance that you're going to find somewhere a mustard-based barbecue on the, on the shelf. Buy it. Try it. You'll love it. Even in recent years, I think I've seen the Heinz Company have their own mustard-based barbecue that they've had out on shelves, mostly in the Carolinas. But, yeah, check it out. Actually, no, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? It wasn't Heinz. It was Duke's Mayo. Duke's Mayo has a South Carolina mustard-based barbecue sauce that they sell in certain areas of the South. They also have the North Carolina vinegar sauce that they sell. How about that? A mayo company getting into barbecue sauces. But that's what I saw. All right, the other South Carolina thing, and I don't have as much time to talk about this, but this comes to us on social media from Star Photos, at Star Photos 5. This person says, I love to express art through photography. And here is their post. As they, according to their profile, have uniquely tropical Southern American landscapes, images, nature, etc. in their photography. Star Photos puts out on social media, the Palmetto Tree, a South Carolina beauty, hashtag low country, hashtag Southern. Yeah, and it is a thing of beauty. Now, unfortunately, Star Photos, you have on your photo for this a palm tree. You don't have the official South Carolina palmetto tree and first of all if you're a south carolinian or one at heart you got to know how to pronounce it it's not palmetto it's palmetto you know who taught me that country music star aaron tippin who's got a palmetto tree tattooed on his arm yeah he got it honest yeah mr working man's phd mr stars and stripes and the eagle flies and so many great songs. Aaron Tippin, a proud South Carolinian, he taught me how to pronounce the word palmetto. And I probably was saying it right anyway, but he, he made sure to tell me one time in an interview how to say it. South Carolina's official palmetto tree is the sable palmetto. Did I just say palmetto? Palmetto, also known as the cabbage palm or cabbage palm palmetto. And it is one of 15 species of the palmetto palm, and it is native in the southern U.S. as well as Cuba. In the United States, the native range of this type of tree, the cabbage palmetto, is the coastal plain of the lower east coast from southeast North Carolina southward to Florida and west along the Gulf Gulf Coastal Plain to Texas. Yeah, you'll find the cabbage palmetto tree all along the Gulf Coast. You'll find it all the way into southeast North Carolina. The difference between a cabbage palmetto and your other palm trees is it's a little short, stocky palmetto tree. It doesn't get so high it starts curving over. That's a different type of tree. The cabbage palmetto is just a simple, just a really cool little tree. And the reason, and I can't go into it, don't have enough time, 
Go check out the history. There is a historical reason South Carolina identifies the palmetto tree as its official tree, as its official symbol. And it's got to do with the Revolutionary War. It's got to do with a fort built out of the cabbage palmettos, a fort that defended the most powerful navy in the world at that time, the British Navy, and Charleston was saved because they used cabbage palmetto trees to defend Fort Moultrie and Sullivan's Island, which also defended and kept the British from coming into Charleston in the Revolutionary War. The first big American victory, by the way, in the American Revolution. The cabbage palmetto ought to be the nation's tree. I don't think we've got a national tree. I'm going to propose that right here today. The heck with the eagle, the heck with the stars and stripes. Let it be the national symbol, the cabbage palmetto tree. <laughs> I don't think South Carolinians would disagree. You know what? We have a little bit more of this y'all show for this hour coming up. Stay tuned. Melissa Rhodes is filing a Southern accent on Southern culture, and that's up next. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Southern Accent. Here's an accent on the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. The oral art of storytelling is a great Southern pastime. And the Georgia-based Southern Order of Storytellers helps keep that tradition alive. The Order is a collection of folks that provide opportunities for storytellers to tell their stories in small group settings or before large audiences. The website, southernorderofstorytellers.org, breaks down the organization's purpose, but it also lists venues across the South where storytellers are welcome. Among them, Stories on the Square Gwinnett in Lawrenceville, Georgia and Stories on the Square Hayesville in Hayesville, North Carolina. More than a dozen storytellers are featured on the Southern Order of Storytellers.org site, like Ace Allen, Esther Culver, Natalie Jones, Tracy Sue Walker, and Anthony Vinson. And if you're a little hesitant to get started, a wise storyteller once said, just talk about something you know, then stretch the truth a lot. Southern history, fun, and more at y'all.com. All right, I'm going to have to write that little tidbit down and remember it when I'm out telling stories the next time that wraps up our first hour of y'all hang on hour two is up next we've got a look at some news headlines from across the region plus some barbecue talk coming your way on the show that's all about the south this is the y'all show
My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. We are y'all, and here on this show, we put the South up first, and it is always number one on our show covering everything in this region. I'm General John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern, and our text line, if you have something to say about this part of the world, it's 803-816-1170. We're into our second hour today. Hey, Matt Hermans is going to be driving by in a few minutes to talk a little barbecue. He's also going to be talking about the Big 12 Conference. That's ahead this hour. Plus, we're going to have a quick look at the New York Times best-selling books. All that before we get out of here for hour number two. Then we got a whole nother hour beyond that one. So, boy, it's fun. Hey, we're presented in part by y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. Go there and find incredibly awesome stories and just fun information that you can share with all y'all. All right, let's pick up some headlines here to start off this second hour and an update from Annapolis, Maryland. The newspaper gunman that killed the people there at the Annapolis newspaper a few years back, he has now received a sentence and he will receive five life prison terms. And that is unfortunate that this guy can't really face true justice but that's the laws and that's the decision coming out of Maryland. What a awful, awful thing that happened when this person ended up going in and killing so many people. Ramos, the name there, and just a tragedy there when this person gunned down there in Annapolis, Maryland, back, I think it was in 2019, he went in there and killed all of those people and we, you know, we haven't really seen as much, in my opinion, of this kind of workplace violence. This, again, was a guy who was upset, not necessarily a former employee, but a just awful scene, if you'll remember back to the newspaper shooting in Annapolis, Maryland, at the Capitol Gazette. And now this gunman there going to go off to jail for the shooting there at the Capitol Gazette of a few years back and I mean it's hard to believe it's been that that many years and that that much tragedy when this happened would on June 28th of 2018 this mass shooting occurred at the Capitol that newspaper serves Annapolis Maryland Jared Ramos killed the five employees with a shotgun and injured two others who were trying to escape and the motive behind this was against the newspaper for reporting negative information about him and five people again killed when he went in there with a shotgun and took their lives back on June 28, 2018. And now this week, the verdict coming down, this man is going to serve five life prison terms. An update also from a mass shooting. Here, here is an example, sadly, of a a shooting that happened in recent months. Robert Aaron Long, he's the Georgia man that's been accused of killing people at the Asian spas around Atlanta. The 22-year-old appeared before the Fulton County Superior Court this week. 
where he waived arraignment and entered a not guilty plea on charges including murder, aggravated assault, and domestic terrorism. Back in July, he pleaded guilty in Cherokee County, Georgia, to charges including four counts of murder, and he's received four sentences of life without parole plus an additional 35 years. And again, this case, a tragedy there when many of these victims were Asian Americans. There were others who were not killed that were Asian Americans like Paul Michaels. I think he was a heating and air guy that was sitting there working on the heating and air unit when this guy came in there and shot up the place. Just a a tragedy again from the Atlanta area, both in Cherokee County and in the Atlanta area. And that case now with a twist this week. Hey, in Florida, congratulations if you haven't been making a whole lot of money in the Sunshine State. As this week, the wage increase in the Sunshine State for hourly workers will go from eight sixty-five to $10 an hour. It goes into effect tomorrow, September 30th. And this is the second change to the state's minimum wage since January 1st. That's when it increased to the current wage after a passage of the Florida Amendment 2 back in November of 2020. By 2026, Florida's voter-approved wage hikes will settle at $15 per hour, and they're going to increase incrementally throughout the next year, couple of years in seven different steps. Each year on September 30th, it'll go up just a little bit more. So $15 an hour. Hey, Bernie Sanders ought to be happy about that one. And again, Florida cutting up there this week with $10 minimum wage an hour. Should make a difference. Now, what's going to make a big difference in a couple of states is what Ford Motor Company is doing. Did you hear about this incredible investment Ford is making in both Kentucky and in Tennessee as Ford and a South Korean company are planning to build three major electric vehicle battery factories And they're also going to build an auto assembly plant. And they're going to do all this by 2025. And this investment is going to bring about 11,000 jobs to Kentucky and to Tennessee. The factories will be built in the Haywood County area of West Tennessee between Memphis and Jackson, Tennessee. It's where this is located, right on Interstate 40. And also they will be building in Kentucky with a big battery plant. And the Kentucky investment alone is $5.8 billion. The Stanton, Tennessee, right there in Haywood County, is a $5.6 billion investment between Ford and SK Innovation of South Korea. So the plant in Kentucky will be built in Glendale. That's near Louisville, Kentucky. And that's going to be two battery plants. Memphis the one in Stanton near Memphis and near Jackson, it's going to have a battery plant, but it also will be a automobile manufacturing plant, all for electric cars. And huge news. I mean, this is, I just told you, 11,000 jobs. So I guess at each plant, they're probably going to have at least 5,000 new jobs, all good paying jobs, all the, all the stuff that's going to go into building these plants. This is a massive, massive positive story for the entire region. And I know earlier this week, the governors of each state went on to these sites to kind of spike it in the end zone that they pulled off this incredible investment. 
And as a result of this, by the way, Ford Motor Company's shares rose more than 4% in extended trading after the factories were announced. So win, win, win. Hey, the electric cars are the future. And when you have Ford going in this kind of all-in type investment, that's amazing. That's just unbelievable. And if you're a Kentuckian, if you're a Tennessean, if you're specifically in West Tennessee or around the Louisville area, in the case of Kentucky, this is going to you're just going to see a huge, huge impact from this. Governor Bill Lee said Tennessee offered Ford $500 million in incentives to win a contest with 15 other states, and Lee said he's confident that the legislators of Tennessee will approve the spending. So yeah, these states like Lee in Tennessee and Bashir in, in Kentucky, they had to compete with other states. But how about these two states right there on top of each other pulling off this major investment from Ford and maybe Motown's going to shut down. Maybe it's not going to survive whenever all the manufacturing of cars now in the electric vehicle world we live in, they don't need to be built in Motown. They could be built right there in West Tennessee, right there in the Louisville area, or other places that want to invest in a big, big way. This story, not in the South, but it's time. It's time for Barack Obama to have his presidential library. Have you heard about the presidential center? They're building on the south south side of Chicago. They had a groundbreaking ceremony. Barack and Michelle Obama dug shovels into the ground as they are having this thing built at a lakefront Chicago park right near Lake Michigan. And this library, when it gets built, is going to be unique, and it won't have actual files like like a a library. It won't have books in it. It's a library without books because it's all going to be virtual. And so you don't have to be there to research the Obama legacy. This Obama Presidential Center sits on 19 acres of the 540-acre Jackson Park, which is named after Andrew Jackson. Something tells me they'll probably rename it uh, Barack Obama Park, probably. Yes, so uh, Obama getting his presidential center built right now. Does that mean somewhere in hmm, Palm Beach, Florida, they're working on the President Trump library? Or is he sitting there saying, no, 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 no. You're going to have to have a bigger library because I I think I'm going to run for president again. So why build it now when you're going to have to wait till I get done with my second term? Or as Trump would say, hey, they might just go ahead and make me have about 10 terms as president. So, yeah, that's the uh, Trump side of things. But Obama, his predecessor, he gets his presidential center underway. Y'all can make your plans now to go to Chi-Town and check it out sometime if you'd like to. We will continue on with the Y'all Show. We, unfortunately, were not able to connect to our barbecue barrister today, so we've got to rewind back two weeks ago when he was on here. So bear with us, an encore of the barrister. Later this hour, we'll be right back here with a fresh, hot new, right off the press, Southern Book Report. We'll look at the brand new books on the New York Times bestsellers list. But right now, enjoy Matt Herman's after the break. as He's talking barbecue, and he will talk Big 12 football. All right here on Y'all.
Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Lens S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Lens S. Learn more at lensess.com or call 1 800 L I N Z E S S. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. We got 24 tall boys on the chill. Yeah, 14 of them's mine. A little Marshall Tucker on the radio. You know, we're just catching a little groove before the show. We ain't playing nothing slow at the parking lot party. A tailgate bug just a sipping on suds ain't ever too early. To light one up, fill up your cup, cause I ain't no party like All those parking lot parties are going big time now that we've got football at the high school, the college, and the NFL level. Hello, we're back here on this midweek edition of the show that covers everything Southern. I'm John Rawl, now joined by an old friend of the program. Although he may be an old friend, he's a whippersnapper compared to yours truly, and it always is fun to bring on Matt Hermans. He's our barbecue barrister, and our barrister's been working hard, 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 so hard that we haven't really had him on here regularly lately, but we're going to try to change that going throughout the rest of the next couple of months and more. Matt Hermans will be dropping by to talk barbecue grilling, and we'll get him to talk a little sports, mostly college football talk here. But let's go now to our guy that puts the barrister in barbecue. He is Matt Hermans. And Matt, thank you again for coming back on to the Y'all Show and giving us your dose of deliciousness. Man, I'm glad to be back, John. It's been a, it's been a hot minute, as they say, but I yeah. am not. I am ready. I'm ready, and, and college football's in the swing, so I'm I'm licking my chops. It is. How's it? We're going to talk more football with you in the next segment, but just just as a little primer here, or what I guess you have to do when you are grilling, you got to go out there and get the grill cut on, just to kind of tease us here, Matt. Uh, how, how's it going so far? It's going well. We had a little a little storm recently, uh, but uh, we'll be uh, we'll be okay. Got a little rainfall, but that's not going to stop the uh, it's not going to stop the smoker. So yeah. uh, this is uh, this is getting into my personal personal favorite time of year to uh, to grill and to get the barbecue pit rolling. Um, 
the weather and the football and all that good stuff. This is my favorite time. There's some there's some great times we've talked about, some great holidays, but this happens to be kind of getting into my my favorite time. So I'm I'm ready. Yeah, we haven't really talked to you much since around July 4th, so we got to do some catching up and you know one of the themes Matt Herman's as we have a show all about the south is we have really been sucker punched multiple times since July 4th with a lot of storms from Ida to Nicholas, the most recent thing to come through, likely going to have more storms. Matt, first of all, we don't want to discount anybody who's had to suffer as a result of any of those storms and such and the loss of life, of course. We certainly uh, want to keep that in mind. But one last thing about these storms, Matt, is our friends, especially in South Louisiana, Homa area, got really hurt bad by Ida, and they lost all that electricity in the Pelican State. And so you're a guy that knows a lot about grilling and cooking outside. These people don't have electricity. So they're grilling, and they're grilling because they have to. Out of, they're doing it out of a necessity. So, Matt, yeah. if you could give us some tips. If you know you're going to be without power for quite some time and you still got some grilling stuff and you know you can get your grill going, what would be some of uh, your tips to have a long-term grill if necessary? Well, Pretty straightforward. You can need a you can need a charcoal grill if you got propane. You can you can roll with a gas grill. Uh, a lot of them have electric igniters, but you really don't need an electric igniter. All you need is a a match or a um, or a little click lighter. But you know if all that's wet, um, it may be a little bit difficult. But you can figure out a way to get that gas lit. If you got propane bottles, you can you can grill on your gas grill. But if you're doing charcoal. All you really need is all you really need is dry charcoal, and uh, you can uh, you can light charcoal with just about anything that'll burn. Paper, um, paper towels, napkins, uh, you know, uh, bathroom tissue. We'll call it that. Uh, anything that'll burn, uh, especially if you got a little chimney, or you can arrange your your charcoal in a, in a in a pyramid fashion. You can you can light charcoal as long as it's dry. So I would say you need dry charcoal. You need a place to put the charcoal, and you need a grate to put your meat on, and, and you, that's it. You can go back to the uh, the caveman days, and you can make uh, you can make stuff. So uh, that's the great thing about grilling is uh, if you got the propane and you got uh, or you got charcoal. As long as that charcoal's dry, you can do anything you want with it. And uh, like you say, a lot of folks in South Louisiana probably probably grilling because they got to, not because they want to, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's, what, I guess what that's if they don't thing. have the charcoal, Matt? Well, you're gonna have to have a heat source, so uh, you know, you can use wood if you've got dry woods. A lot of times, you think, well, you had a big storm, and that's really gonna put a damper on the wood. But a lot of, a lot of times, people have cords of, of firewood and cords of, of wood that they burn, and just getting a little bit wet, um, that's only gonna it's really gonna only affect you for a couple of days because it's already kind of cured. So if you've got wood, you can burn that. Of course, uh, you can always burn wood down to charcoal and cook it that way, or you can just cook over fire. Um, so if you've got wood, then uh, then you have fire as well. You just got to find a way to get it lit. And I know folks have, um, you know, there's there's different things that can get your wood to burn. I would tell you that if you're gonna if you're gonna try to start up a, a bunch of logs or something with uh, an alternative fuel source, right? Like uh, you know, gasoline that'll that'll do. That can do some damage, but maybe diesel or something like that. You want to make sure that that's all burned off 100%, and uh, before you put meat over it, you just don't want to have any of that residue. But it's possible. It's possible to do it as long as you let it burn down long enough. And uh, so I know people are struggling. I know 
you know, when it comes to uh, necessity grilling as opposed to uh, pleasure grilling, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different things you can do. But if you got wood, uh, you can certainly burn wood and you can let it burn all the way down to charcoal if you want to do it that way. So fire and meat, man, this goes back a long way. Yeah, it you does. Get fire, you can get fire, um, you know, you can cook meat. Matt, let's talk about the meat in a time where people are really suffering. Let's say it could be from Ida. It could be you went through a rough spell earlier this year with the freeze that happened, and a lot of people were mm-hmm. stranded and things like that. How do you get the meat that you just mentioned when you're in a natural disaster? Yeah, so the different things are different, right? Um, during the freeze, you know, that was a, that was a thing we did go through and we were we had some serious issues in my neck of the woods but getting food if you could get to a place if you could get to a, a grocery store get to a um any type of store you really didn't have an issue a lot of the powers were out in the stores but when it's 25 degrees outside your, your meat's not necessarily going to spoil but um it's a matter of getting there now in different in august it's different in uh, in early september whenever if you have uh, power outages your your meat's going to go bad pretty pretty quick but a lot of folks have deep freeze a lot of folks have generators uh, a lot of people i know have uh, kind of pooled together some resources uh, to to kind of help help out the community and friends and, and things like that so um i would say the best best uh, scenario is preparation uh, you know you got to uh, once you, if you think there may be something coming, and I know a lot of folks did, although the extent of the damage was kind of a surprise. But if you know ahead of time, it's good to go out and get it. Good to fill your generator up. It's good to to maybe hook the hook the deep freeze up to a generator, mm-hmm. and, and go from there. Because then you can, uh, like I say, you can find heat, and if you've got food, uh, then you're you're probably going to be okay as long as you got water as well. So preparation is the best. And then I would say a lot of folks, are, they're going to be stores that are that are going to have, you know, maybe not the best selection, but they're going to have things like hot dogs and, and maybe sausages and stuff like that. You just need to be careful getting there, obviously. don't uh, You don't want to risk risk going through some, um, you know, water or anything like that to get Matt, food. Matt, did you see during the storm of the wintertime, did you see stores trying to do their best to get rid of food? Well... I can only speak to kind of my experience. We had, you know, we were in uh, Texas, so we had the big, you know, grid failure. Uh, so there was no power for, and at least where we are, uh, for for a long time. And so stores were running on generators, and, but they were not. They weren't trying to get rid of food, but there was a lot of. Uh, it was it was more of a matter of being able to get there with frozen roads and stuff shut down and and all kinds of infrastructure failures like that than it was to be able to get food. So we could get food mm-hmm. uh, because these big stores like a you know Kroger or something was on a generator. Uh, but uh, there were little little uh, you know entities around who were who were giving away food to people who who couldn't get there or that uh, just you know there was had no power and no way to cook anything so they would give away pre-cooked meals but um, no, I don't, they weren't trying to get rid of anything and <laughs> they were, uh, they were functioning about as well as you could hope uh, okay. with, with the generators. How long were you out of electricity? We didn't have electricity for about a week Okay, and it was about, uh, it was about 25 degrees in the house. So we were kind of hopping around to, 
to different places that, you know, in fact, we ended up staying several nights at a friend's house that just had a fireplace. They didn't have power either, but, uh, it was freezing, but we all <laughs> laid in front of it. We all laid in front of a fireplace for a few nights. And that was, uh, it was a lifesaver. Yeah. You, you could have gone down to, uh, Cancun. Could have. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess, uh, I knew some, somebody knew something that I didn't know because, yeah. uh, I guess I didn't expect to not have power for a week, but, uh, I don't know. It's amazing what, what kind of tip offs you can get in certain, certain scenarios, right? <laughs> That's right. Talking to Matt Irvins. He is our barbecue barrister. Matt, let's get away from the doom and gloom of natural disasters. And let's talk about something, certainly man-made, certainly something a little bit more uplifting. We've got football up and going and i'm going to talk to you about actual teams in the next segment but right now let's talk about tailgating let's talk about food (laughs) what is it we can look forward to now that we're at the matt hereman's barbecue feast and what is it you've got kind of your eye on for some of the big games this year oh man um so everything everything's on the menu um i'll tell you who was on the you know Longhorn was on the menu this last week. We, get, <laughs> we, we can we can get into that here shortly, but you know I'm always a fan of eating the opponent if you can, and uh, you know a lot of times you can't, but uh, if you can, I say take advantage of that. But I, we're we're going to do some, we're going to do ribs, we're going to do pork shoulder, we're going to do spatchcock chicken, we're you know we're going to do anything we can. We're going to do some sausage. We'll. Uh, I like to change it up. I like to change it up week to week because you only got so many weeks of football season. That's if you can true. Fig- yeah, if you can figure out something different or to do every week, then uh, that's a great thing. That's kind of what I like to do. But um, that's that's my plan. Everything, everything, including opponents. Yeah. Well, what about appetizers? How big of a importance do they have on your game day tailgating food? That's a. I think it's. I think it's great. I'm a big fan of. Um, little snackers you know appetizers um throughout the course of the day because generally well i say generally everybody's got their style but you're looking forward to a particular game if you're gonna have folks over for instance if you live in a in a you know in a state that has a couple big schools you're probably going to uh, have an allegiance to one of them uh, and you're probably going to be looking forward to that game more than others so um let's say you have a three you know 3 p.m or maybe you have a six or a seven um you're probably going to want to eat your main meal there kind of around the time of the football game or maybe at halftime so but you're not just going to have people show up 10 minutes before the game and, and eat and then go home afterwards that's not really the way a lot of folks like to do it you kind of make a day out of it so you can have people hungry if you got a 3 p.m game you can have people hungry at noon if you have a 6 p.m game you can have people starving all day so what you want to do when you got your 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 racks of ribs or your pork butt or your brisket on your on your smoker it's really nice to be able to put other uh little snack items on there as well and there's some pretty good options so i, I like i like having little snacks throughout the course of the day appetizers before the main event which is your 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 big sandwiches or your your ribs or whatever you're going to do so a big fan of that. Big fan of that. Matt, are you the kind of person that gets their feelings hurt at a tailgate if someone doesn't have not only the appetizers, but if the appetizers are not something that are done with love, meaning they were done by a human being? There's something that somebody went by and either bought and put and and took it out of a bag, or maybe they went through a drive-through. Are well, your feelings hurt when you see that kind of stuff? My, no, no. It, well, I will tell you, there's different different scenarios, right? If you're at somebody's house, 
and uh, and maybe maybe they got a you look out in the backyard and they got a couple grills or they got a big smoker, and then you see something maybe from the local chicken joint. You may think to yourself, you know, I don't know, maybe you could have put these to use uh, a little bit more. But if you're at a tailgate, if you're in some place like the Grove and and you can't can't exactly fire up a a pit there right in the in the tailgate area. No, I don't. I I would be very grateful and very happy to uh, enjoy some uh, some pre-made uh, items. Uh, so it depends. It depends on the scenario. Even even a purist like myself, I can uh, I can enjoy different scenarios and different things. But I will tell you, if you're at somebody's house, if you're at my house, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to have everything I possibly can um, cook there and and have my hands in it, figuratively, not necessarily. Even, even the potato chips you're going to have homemade yeah potato i'm just chips. going to have my hands yeah i'm going to have my hands all in them that's right i'm just going to you know i'm going to make sure to touch every single one of them <laughs> no it's uh you know what i mean you, you want to have something interesting uh maybe if you have the if you have the space and you have the logistics there in your backyard so uh, it depends yeah it depends well we'll get more in depth with you on some of these certain selections as we work ourselves through football season but we also are going to have matt hermans on here on a, a regular basis to talk about all kinds of aspects of cooking and it includes the different grills the grif- different ways of grilling and the various barbecue types barbecue sauces barbecue preparation go ahead matt hermans brag on yourself you're a guy who used to sell barbecue grills you've been all over the place you are what we call i think in the biz a barbecue nerd <laughs> I do have a uh, I do have a particular affinity for barbecue. In fact, uh, my wife would probably tell you it's it's an obsession. I would say it's uh, you know a healthy I'm a healthy fan of barbecue. But uh, yeah, I do. Sounds uh, like your wife wants you to go to counseling. Well, I mean, it's one of those things you don't bring it up if you don't want to know the answer. So uh, <laughs> I, I just. I figure I've told her before. I said, you know, I don't gamble and and don't really go out and hit bars or anything. I, what I do is smoke meat, and uh, I think she's kind of like, well, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. That's what she says, but deep down, she's probably hurt. Yeah, Matt Hermans is our barbecue bear. She she shouldn't be hurt. My God, I think you're the perfect spouse. <laughs> you, and if she doesn't want you, uh, call me up uh, six six. Yeah, no. Nah. Matt Hirvins is our barbecue barrister, and we are having a great time with him, and we're going to keep having a great time with our barbecue barrister. That's because we're going to shift over. We're going to go to a break. We're going to shift over, and he's going to put on his other hat, and that other hat is a college sports junkie as well. Yeah, maybe he should go to counseling here pretty soon. We're going to get Matt Hirvins' take on some college football news and notes, and we'll specifically get him to weigh in on the Big 12, trying to make sense of what's going on with that conference. And we haven't even had a chance to talk to him about the Benedict Arnolds of the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. We'll have all that when we come right back, wrap things up with our barbecue barrister and our Big 12 college football barrister, Matt Hermans. Hang on, y'all.
And the Oklahoma State Cowboys have found a way to stay 2-0, which not everybody in the Big 12 can say that right now. We're back here on Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. John Rawl now with Matt Hermans, our barbecue and our Big 12 barrister. Frankly, he's our college football barrister. And he is on to talk a little college football with us for a few minutes. And OSU is going to be making their way all the way out to Boise for a battle against the Broncos. And that's going to be a late Saturday evening contest. Barbecue Barrister, back here with us. Let's get your thoughts on how the Big 12's going in the season so far. But the big news that we haven't really been able to chat with you about is the news that came out about six weeks ago. Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Are you going to file a suit of your own against those two schools? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think my suit probably would go very far. But um, no, no. I'm just gonna let uh, let bygones be bygones. I guess. I, I don't know. Um, Oklahoma. That is big news, and um, so the funny thing about it is, well, I don't know if you want to get into that whole thing unless you want to talk about the uh, talk about this week first. But uh, big, uh, you know, big big get on paper for the SEC. And uh, my question to you: Do you blame Oklahoma and Texas for tr- jumping to the SEC? Did they do the right thing for their institution? Of, of course they did. I mean, it's it's obvious that yes, anytime you get an a, an invite to the premier conference in, in the country, then you're gonna you're gonna take it for a bunch of different reasons. So money is of course a reason. That's probably to be realistic at the current kind of the current state of where we're at. It's probably you know reason one through ten is money, but there there are a lot of other reasons to do it and matchups, stadiums, fan support, tailgate, uh, interest, you know, tradition, all that. Every reason in the world, yeah. So, um, no, I can blame the University of Texas for a lot of things, uh, but I, I cannot blame them for availing themselves the opportunity. Now, I can blame them for destroying the Big 12 and then, then jumping ship. That's pretty easy to do because that's, that's what they did. Uh, but, no, I, objectively, you can't. If you have a chance to do that, you, you do it. All and, right. Uh, so, no. so the Big 12 decides to – in the last few days, extend invitations and invitations accepted from several other schools to replace Texas and Oklahoma. They invite four schools to join the Big 12. UCF, mm-hmm. they've invited Cincinnati. They've invited the Houston Cougars and the BYU Cougars. Yeah. None of those, of course, are a replacement for Oklahoma or Texas. All right. I wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> they're not, not even, not nowhere, nowhere close. All four of them combined don't equal one of no, those, right? Not, not even, not even a, not even a piece of one. So, uh, the best get <laughs> and the really the only, the only get, to be quite honest, is BYU. And that's a, that is a program that is, it's a big time program. Um, we know it's unique. Obviously, it's connected to the, uh, church of latter-day saints so they have they have kind of a unique uh, thing going on there but as far as facilities and fan support and stadium and and um you know even history to a large degree it's a big it's a big time football program and and they they do have a following and they do get uh, a lot of viewers across country so byu is a good get um for the big 12 the rest are, are really not um, but someone had to come right i mean something had to happen so you know, 
But, 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 wanna... Okay, if you're as not so enthusiastic about four teams joining the Big 12, then that's yeah. got to make a lot of the members who are currently in there be doing everything they can to find another option. Yeah, and I think that is still something that will happen. So you don't you don't replace the University of Texas and, and the University of Oklahoma with uh, Central Florida, uh, Cincinnati, uh, University of Houston, which is a big question mark. Uh, and BYU, like I said, is a, is a, a decent ad, but it's not a replacement. So you don't. It's a, it's a big step down. No offense to any of those institutions, but it, it, it's a huge loss. It's in every way, monetarily, uh, viewership. You know, it's just in every way. So, you know, it's not a. It, you're right. It's not a situation where you say, well, we just lost OU in Texas, uh, but we got, you know, we got Central Florida, so we're going to be fine. Let's let's wrap this thing up forever. No. Um, there are still going to be schools looking at other options, uh, period. You've already heard rumors of TCU and um, and other schools, maybe Oklahoma State, still kind of flirting with the Pac-12. To the extent that that happens, um, I don't know. Uh, my gut tells me that you still have a few years remaining in your media contract, and um, you're going to probably try to milk that until – until you uh, until you can't, and that goes through 2025, at least theoretically, you still have Oklahoma and Texas until then. At that point, uh, you know you're going to have the Big 12 with the with the four editions. But um, what happens when that uh, when that contract ends is is going to be pretty clear. You're not going to get the same contract. You're not you're not going to get anything close because you've lost your two premier programs. So um, I think. It's not over for the Big 12. The Big 12 has been an absolute, um, I don't know, uh, it's been a mess for uh, a very long time, and it's been essentially managed very poorly. It's actually been managed by the University of Texas, is what it's been <laughs> ever for, in, since its inception. It, 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 since, in 1996, you can just basically put the University of Texas in the in the seat. Uh, of power and that's what it's been so that's why colorado left that's why nebraska left. is that really why they left it came down to texas absolutely that's why they left this is a conference completely run by the the university of texas and they had their own network you have to remember that this was um i know that's why a m left it, well a m didn't want any part of it and they had an opportunity to move to a, a better fit for them as well but uh long story short you know when when other schools and other conferences were coming together to get big media contracts, the SEC network, the Pac-12 network, Big Ten network, uh, University of Texas basically said, yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and just do the Longhorn network and, and the rest of you can you know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, and that was kind of the end of the deal for Colorado and, and Nebraska and, and every other school. So they've, they've, like I said before, they, they poisoned the well, they destroyed the league and now they're, now they're going to, do you think ground. Texas is going to mind their business in the SEC? Are they going to play, get along with others, I guess? They're going to – no, they're not going to. They're going to try to um, – they're going to try to run as much of that league as they can. And and if you look at it from an outside perspective, you say, well, this is an inferior football program. It's an inferior um, – it just doesn't – the history is just not there. It's kind of uh, smoke and mirrors, right? You have 2005, and then that's wonderful, and then you go back to the 60s. So um, there's not a whole lot there, but what there is there is an incredible amount of money, just money, money that, that, that you know, 
other programs and other schools across the country don't even understand. So there's an incredible amount of money. There's an incredible amount of, of control over uh, media outlets um, that is is just amazing. It does not it's not parallel to the success they've had in sports. Of course, it never has been. But uh, it is an incredibly powerful organization, and uh, you know you better you better know what you're getting. That's all. That's all that anybody's <laughs> going to tell you. Better know what you're signing up for. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of money. You're going to get a lot of viewership. You get a lot of ESPN love, and you're going to get a nice, nice logo to put in that SEC West circle or the SEC circle for sure. Uh, but you get a lot more than that. You get a lot more than that with the University of Texas. So it'll be curious to see how it works out. All right. Well, it's going to be a little while before the Horns find themselves playing in the SEC. So right now. Uh, they're stuck in the Big 12, if you if you want to call it that. But right now, this weekend, they're kind of stuck in the Southwest Conference. Texas has the Rice Owls coming in for a <laughs> aforementioned Longhorn Network broadcast. This is kicking off at 7 o'clock there on the 40 Acres. Texas comes in with their hooves right down their throats. Arkansas put it on them last week, Matt Hermans. Yeah, yeah, the uh... – the pigs really got after him, and that was a that was a pretty cool matchup. That was old Southwest Conference. I think they used to call that the Dixie Classic back in the day. That was uh, there's a book written about that matchup, but um, of course not named that anymore. But uh, that but was should uh, be. very very much should be. And um, so you're right. The the pigs <laughs> just absolutely got after got after Texas. Um, but uh, there's there's not really better. There's not. The Rice Owls are a great, um, I guess, cure for what ails you. So um, they're sitting at 0-2, and uh, Texas will almost assuredly bounce back from the pig stomping that they took uh, in Fayetteville. Yeah. So, yeah. We played the fight song heading into this segment, Matt. The Pokes are going to be out at Albertson Stadium on the Blue Turf, Boise State and Oklahoma State. This is a Saturday evening telecast on FS1. Yeah. Now that that's an intriguing game for sure. Oklahoma State st- struggled um, mightily. In fact, came away just a couple other Big Twelves did the same. Uh, Big Twelve teams did the same thing. But Oklahoma State's lucky to come away with a win uh, this last last week, and now they head into a very hostile uh, Boise State environment there. Like I say, on the blue turf. So, you know, Oklahoma State has the, on paper they look like they should be better than they are. They've got a Mm, talented quarterback that has kind of failed to Spencer Sanders is really uh, he's got a lot going on for him. But Spencer not, Rattler, Spencer Spencer, no Spencer Rattler. There's two Spencers. I know. I, I, I knew that. You're, I was just picking you're, on you're, you. You're, you're you're mixing me up on the Spencers, but uh, <laughs> both of them. You could say a lot the same for both of them. But now Spencer Sanders has some talent and ability. He just hasn't quite put it together yet. That offense shows streaks and then shows times that it looks lost. So. This is the this is a toss up game in my opinion, and uh, I can't wait to. It, it should be a good matchup. This will be a nice ni- a nice evening treat. Yes, also a nice evening treat for you. CBS Sports Network's got the Iowa State Cyclones trying to bounce back from a bad loss at home. They're going to be there at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. UNLV, the Rebels, welcoming in Iowa State. Texas Tech has the Panthers of FIU visiting Lubbock this weekend. Baylor and Kansas have a little battle there, and Lawrence can. Kansas got throttled by Coastal Carolina for the third straight year this past weekend. Nevada is going to be playing in Manhattan. K-State welcomes in the Wolf Space Pack. 
Then the other two games, Matt, I want to get your take. You got Nebraska at Oklahoma, a classic from the Big Eight is renewed, and Virginia Tech goes over to play West Virginia. What about those two games, Nebraska and OU, or should I say NU and OU, and then Virginia Tech and West Virginia? Yeah. Um, I like Nebraska-Oklahoma. That does that does bring really old-school bells from the Big Eight. These are two, these are two power um, – you know, they, these were the powers in the Big Eight, essentially, a long time ago. You had some other good teams, but Nebraska and Oklahoma, this was the uh, – these were the two programs, um, and you know a lot has changed. You got Oklahoma sitting at number three right now, and Nebraska has completely lost its identity. Period over the last decade or so, and you got Scott Frost, who's on the who's on the hot seat, an alum, a former quarterback. I remember him playing on some really really good Nebraska teams, but he's he's there in in significant trouble. And Nebraska's a twenty two point underdog mm. there, which is hard to. Um, yeah, you can't argue with that, really. So, yeah, the uh, the symbology is pretty cool. I like it. Uh, but that game is say, actually your Fox Noon kickoff there. It is on the Fox yeah. Noon, Noon Fox Noon kickoff on the Fox Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we've reached a point now. It's funny that a lot of younger viewers are not going to remember Nebraska and Oklahoma being anything. They just think Nebraska has been been a pretty 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 poor team over the last fifteen years. But this does have an incredible amount of history, and I still look forward to it. And this is a uh, this is a team. This is a game that could save Scott Frost's job, although it seems unlikely that it will. Yeah. What about the Nears and the Hokies? Yeah, this is uh this is basically a pick 'em. I think it's a three point spread there. Not that um, the guy say I'm not a gambler, but it's a lot of times uh, it's it's fun to look at the the spread. He is Matt Hermans. Thank you so much for your knowledge of Big Twelve football and barbecue and more. Why don't you say we get back together in about oh a week and do it again? I'll put it on the calendar. I can't wait. Yeah, put it on the calendar to write it in blood if you don't mind. He sure. is Matt Hermans. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. And we will, again, have him back. It's always so much fun when we can get that fella to come on and mix it up with barbecue and a little pigskin talk, too. We feel quite lucky when Matt Hermans is a special guest. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour up. We've got a look at the New York Times bestsellers list. That's ahead as the Y'all Show continues. to wrap up this second hour of our y'all show with a quick look at the new york times bestsellers list we've got a new book on the combined print and ebook fiction list checking in at number one it's leanne moriarty's apples never fall vince flynn enemy at the gates is at number two that's also brand new this week and kyle mills wrote that one harlem shuffle it's also new colson whitehead penned that one Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You? It's number four on the combined print and ebook fiction category list. And this one's been out a few weeks. It ends with us from Colleen Hoover, checks in at number five on the combined print and ebook nonfiction category this week. Continuing to lead the pack, American Marxism, Mark R. Levin is at number one. Chris Wallace and Mitch Weiss's Countdown Bin Laden is at two. A hunter-gatherer's guide to the 21st century from Heather Hying and Brett Weinstein. That's brand new this week. It's at number three. Also new, Mary Roach's Fuzz. It's at four. And The Body Keeps the Score. It's been out over a year. And it's from Bessel van der Kolk. It's on the list at number five. 
That wraps up hour two. We've got hour three of y'all coming up right after this. John Rawl is my name, and I am the guy that kind of talks about the South a whole lot. And you know what? It is not just a fun thing to do. It's an honor to sit here for three hours and talk about what's going on across Dixie because we think we do something kind of special here on this show because we're talking about something kind of special. It's, it's a place called Dixie, and we are glad to be with you here on a Wednesday. Coming up in this final hour of y'all, we will continue the fun with some sports information to pass along. What's going on with Maryland's high school football plans? I'm going to tell you about that. Plus, later in the hour, I can't believe what I did, and I can't believe that it affected my beauty rest last night. Boy, if I, I, I'm not really batting a thousand today, and I'll explain why. What a idiot I am for what I did. Never done it in my whole life that I'm aware of at least. And I did it last night. I'll explain. And I've got some helpful tips in case this has happened to you. Or if it's going to happen, you can kind of write down what I did and use it for your own good. Also, we've got more headlines across the Southeast that we'll be getting to momentarily as we wrap up our conversation here in the third hour. Hey, our website is y'all.com, y'all.com. Man, it is the South's homepage. You got to get your Southern on and you got to do it right there at y'all.com. Four little characters on the keyboard. Y-A-L-L, then put .com and you will be ready, locked and loaded with plenty of incredible Southern information. All at y'all.com. Also, don't forget, you can text us here at the show about the South. Our text lines are open, 803-816-1170. Would love, 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 love to hear what you all have to say to y'all. All right, let's pick up some headlines from across the Southeast, and let's give you some information out of whose country. The Virginia Cavaliers, man, they went down in flames. Bronco Mendenhall's team got beat by Wake Forest on a Friday night last week, and they got beat bad by North Carolina the week before. Things are not going good for the Hoos right now. So they need some improvement. They need some improvement fast. But the story out of Charlottesville is not for this year. And the story is... This is not good news for future Cavalier football teams. (laughs) The Cavaliers will be suiting up for the next four seasons against Conway, South Carolina's own Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. The Chanticleers and Jamie Chadwell right now ranked number 16 in the country, and I don't think they're going to be too far away from that over the next four seasons, the way things have gone for them. They have had a horseshoe stuck somewhere in their spur, those French roosters that they are right there on the Grand Strand of South Carolina. Coastal Carolina adding Virginia to its schedule for three of the next four seasons. The schools announced this, and the Chanticleers will play at UVA in 2022 and 2025, 
The UVA Hoos will play at Coastal one of those years in between, 2024. So it's a two-for-one type deal, which a lot of schools aren't doing that anymore. A lot of your it's it's all ball it's all based on the coastal Carolinas of the world. They think they can go get big money and not necessarily do a two for one. They want either a one for one or they just want to get a lot of money and go play a one time deal somewhere. A little surprising that the Chanticleers are gonna do a two for one. I know it's against a ACC program. I know it's against a program assuming Bronco Mendenhall will be coaching the Cavaliers in a couple of years. But, boy, uh, most of these, even Sunbelt schools, have gotten rather greedy. And they're getting away with it. The, by the way, this is a, kind of a similar deal, although I believe the pandemic caused the schedule for 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020 to happen. Coastal actually went out in 2019 and beat Kansas. I don't think they were supposed to play in 2020, but they ended up being added to Kansas' schedule. So they went out there to Lawrence and won a second time in 2020. And then that return trip for Kansas was here this year, and Coastal reared its ugly head, its ugly beak, and beat the heck out of the Rock Chalk Jayhawkers in the second half. And they went on to win 49-22. to I think it was week two because Coastal played the Citadel Bulldogs in week one and beat them pretty bad. And then that was, of course, an FCS team out of Charleston, the Military College of South Carolina, by the way, is the Citadel. So they brought in the basketball school in Lawrence, a.k.a. the Kansas football team, brought them into the beach and beat the heck out of them. Coastal's on a roll. I mean, they went up to Buffalo, won that game. I think they played... They play UMass or UConn, one of those teams. They beat the heck out of them this past weekend. They're number 16, and I don't see a loss anytime soon. They might end up playing for a national championship the way things are going for them. Hmm. But, yes, Coastal Carolina and UVA have agreed to play three of the next four seasons. I was wrong in my first mention four years. No, they're playing three of the next four years. Again, the years are they're playing – in Charlottesville, 2022, that's next year, and 2025, the Cavaliers come to O'Ree County for a game at Coastal. Uh, that's in year 2024. I wonder who UVA's got scheduled in 2023. There has to be some reason they're not squeezing in the Chanticleers into that year. But that's some football scheduling news to start out some of the fun here. We told you earlier in the show about Speaking of teams who may not be in the Power Five of college football, great, great weekend planned in Birmingham. It is the opening for UAB's protective stadium right in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. And I have seen this thing get built from scratch during the many times that I go through Birmingham each year. And it is a great-looking brick structure from the outside, And it is now your home, not only for UAB football, it's going to be home to the Magic City Classic. It will be home to the Birmingham Bowl. It will also have the Alabama High School football playoff there. And it's going to have the 2022 World Games, which is coming to Alabama. If you've passed through the state in recent months, you've seen the World Games 2022 sign greet you as you enter 
the state of Alabama. And Protective Stadium will host the opening and closing ceremonies for this forthcoming World Games. But Protective Stadium is a multi-purpose stadium opening this weekend when UAB hosts the Liberty Flames inside it. Protective Stadium has a capacity of 47,100. It broke ground just two years ago, and it will be unveiled and crowds will fill it this weekend. And this thing was built. I was way off when I teased this thing earlier. I said it was built for under a billion dollars. Well, I was right on that. But this 47,000-seat stadium right by the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center, and it's a city-owned stadium as the BJCC Authority owns it, and they operate it too. Good job by the city. I don't know where they found the money, but they, they found a way. I guess maybe Birmingham, the the city, the, the UAB, the state. Somebody kicked in, gave them a lot of money. But this thing was built for $175 million. And it's, I think, well built. So congratulations. I don't, I don't know who, who was the project manager and who got this thing down to where it was. But I am impressed. The architect was a company called Populous. And it opens again with the Blazers and the Liberty Flames getting in together as UAB goes into this one 3-1. and one. And they are 1-0 in CUSA play. And it's going to be a great setting at 6 o'clock Birmingham time. This will be televised on the CBS Sports Network when Bill Clark's Liberty rather Bill Clark's UAB Blazers and Hugh Freeze's Liberty Flames have a great contest in downtown Birmingham at Protective Stadium. Now to the high school ranks we go. And have you heard what they're doing in Maryland? Uh, They do things in Maryland a little bit different, but (laughs) a recommendation was approved this week by the Maryland Public Secondary Schools Athletic Association. And they have approved a measure that all 182 football teams that play in Maryland secondary schools, all 182 high school football teams are headed to the playoffs. All of them. So you can go 0-12 or 0-11, and you made the playoffs. I guess you can put a banner up in your stadium. And the MPSSAA said, and that's Maryland Public Secondary Schools Athletic Association, said that it would ensure all schools can compete this season despite issues presented by COVID-19, such as canceled games or quarantine players. A news release from the association said playoffs will be similar to previous years. This season, however, is adding two classifications to allow all member schools to compete out of an eight-line regional bracket and one of six classifications. This is going to be really confusing. But in Maryland, everybody gets a trophy, and that's the case here with all Maryland high school football teams making the playoffs. Where is Coach Mara? Wasn't that his name? Mora. Jim Mora. Where's Jim Mora? Not Wellington Mara. Jim Mora of the Saints. Playoffs? I'll never forget that. I know exactly where that quote came. It was against the Carolina Panthers in the locker room of probably at that time Erickson Stadium when the reporters started talking to him and his New Orleans Saints football team about their playoffs. 
And that's where he gave that response. Playoffs? Well, in Maryland, you're going to the playoffs no matter what you've done on the gridiron thus far. All right, let's talk about former SMU golfer Bryson DeChambeau. He was one of several Americans on the Ryder Cup team, of which dominated Europe and got the Ryder Cup back here in the U.S. of A. Well, what do you do after having such a big weekend playing alongside your golfing buddies like Brooks Kepka? <laughs> you go on to the World's Long Drive Championship, and this is being held in Mesquite, Nevada this week. Bryson DeChambeau finished tied for second place in his group after the first day of the Professional Long Drivers Association World Championships. Bryson averaged 406.2 yards on his five longest tee shots. Bryson's shots were 412, 408, 407, 403, and 401. The field will be narrowed today to 32. And then ultimately you'll have a final 16 for the final round on Friday. And let's see here. Let's see who had the longest guy named Scotty Pierman had a 413-yard drive. So I'm kind of stunned that a PGA golfer could even participate in this thing because you'd think it would be reserved for the weekend warriors like myself whenever I play. I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you I have not played a round of golf in years, and there's no excuse. I've got a set of clubs. I've got them within... 20 feet, uh, not 20 feet, 20 yards of where I sleep every day. I don't have an excuse for that reason. I've got places to play. I think I even have time to play. I just haven't done it, and that is pathetic. But one of the reasons I may not be playing golf, and I don't know about y'all, I don't hit the ball 400 yards like these guys. If I could hit a ball 400 yards and it would be relatively straight, yeah, that would make playing golf a lot more fun. But they never said it was going to be easy. And Bryson DeChambeau, man, what a what a media-making machine he is. Did you like his attire? Did you like the entire USA team's attire if you saw it from the Ryder Cup where they all had the matching uniform and such? I, I thought it was pretty neat. And I like Bryson not wearing his little Payne Stewart tribute there. He had on a baseball cap for the most part. And some of those guys, like Victor Hovland, I remember seeing him, he didn't wear anything as far as a hat. And that was cool, kind of a throwback. One of our PGA golfers does that. Um, God, what is his name? He played at Georgia Tech. Um, Schneiderhands. Ollie Schneiderhands. You know, I, I didn't see him this year in any of the stuff that I was tuning in. What happened to... Ollie Schneiderhands, he may not have been able to stay on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he's on the Corn Ferry Tour. He didn't have a chance. Uh, never won on the PGA Tour yet, so that's why I didn't see Ollie, who does not wear a cap of any kind when he plays. Maybe he needs to start wearing it. That's the secret for him to get back on the PGA Tour sometime. That's a look at sports happenings from across the Southeast. We didn't get into it today. But remind you, and it changes by the minute, so you better check out if you're really into this kind of stuff, Major League Baseball winding down its season this week. 
you got games being made up. You got games that are kind of being squeezed in here at the last minute. And you got thrilling finishes as we are working our way to Sunday when it all comes to an end. And boy, some of these races are nail biters. Some of these, I can't sit here and tell you how it's going to work out and who's going to be sitting at home in a couple of days, not doing a darn thing. And who's going to be maybe working their way into their respective leagues championship or, or division series first, and then into their league championship, maybe even getting into a world series. Hey, maybe even winning a world series. So baseball fans, it is a fun time for all y'all right now. When the Y'all Show gets back here, I'm going to relive my disaster from the last 24 hours. I have lived on this earth a few years, and I survived childhood, and never did I do the following of which I'm about to tell you about. It's John's confessional, and I don't know if I can get through it. But also, the the flip side of that is I have some helpful tips in case this ever happens to y'all. And I'll share that with you when the Y'all Show returns. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. All right, y'all talk with an accent on the South. That is a Georgia-based singer, rapper, fashion designer, Rashida, setting us up here with a little tune she had out called My Bubble Gum. Better shut that thing off before she says something we shouldn't be hearing in our ears. But no, I think she mostly was talking about Juicy Fruit there. I think it's all, all good. She had an album out called Dirty South, oh, 20 years ago. And this... Rapper, TV personality, and more, Rashida, giving her a little spin here on the Y'all Show. All right, so why am I playing Rashida, 
the Georgia-based rapper here on the Y'all Show because, oh, it was bubblegum that got the best of me in the last 24 hours. So oftentimes, yours truly finds himself doing work on the computer in bed. And I got really lazy when I was working on my computer and I was chewing a piece of double bubble, which has never let me down before. But when I was chewing on it after about 30 minutes, it kind of just lost its power. And I decided to be lazy. And instead of wrapping it up in the paper and throwing it away, I got real lazy and just kind of nonchalantly spit it out onto my shirt, onto my chest. Okay. So lazy that I didn't get up because I said, I'll just throw it away when I get up in a few minutes. Well, evidently what happened was I I got so involved with my computer work that at some point this piece of gum went over to the side of my body. Your boy here falls asleep at some point, two o'clock in the morning comes and I toss and turn like most of us do. And I can't toss and turn quite like I used to because I'm stuck. That bubble gum I forgot about. And I was too in deep sleep to really figure out what, what how bad it was. But when the daylight arrived and I cut on the lights, it was an ugly scene in my estate. I had bubble gum all over the bed. It was all over my undershirt. I ended up throwing away the undershirt because I got plenty of other dirty stained undershirts come on guys you know your undershirts are dirty and that's okay that's what they're for they're undershirts but my sheets i didn't know what i was going to do i have lived a long time and i have never had this problem of having bubble gum on my bed i've never had bubble gum get all over my clothing so what do you do and that's the dilemma i faced after, again, a night where I discovered around 2 o'clock in the morning that I had done this, but throughout the night I would toss and turn and and realize that this was a mess. So I didn't sleep good. I did not have a good night's sleep. Mr. My Pillow, Mike Lindell, I don't think he's got a product that could have helped me with this one. So I decided to ask friends, hey, what do you do when you have bubble gum on your clothes? And most people came back and said, oh, you got to use ice. But I thought there probably were other solutions. So I'm going to go from my own agony of having bubble gum all over myself to telling you what research discovered and what I ended up doing. And the research shows that when you have bubble gum on your clothing, or in my case, all over my bed, one way to clean it is to clean the gum with more gum. Now, I didn't want to risk that. I, I, yeah, no, no, that's not going to be the case. And I didn't think double bubble, of which I was chew, uh, chewing on, was the world's stickiest gum. But, man, what a mess it was when I woke up. So a common way to remove bubble gum if it's stuck on clothing and beds and things like that is remove it with ice. You put ice atop the gum for about 20 minutes. That freezes and hardens the gum so you can pop it or scrape it off with a credit card, a paint scraper, or something like that. And 
Clorox cleaning experts advise removing any gum left in fabric fibers with a dry cleaning solvent before treating the remaining stain. Okay. So ice is a common thing. I did not go that route. Another option is to freeze gum off with clothing. Now, how do you do that? This technique lets the freezer do the work. You throw the gum studded garment with the gum facing up in your freezer for an hour or so. Once the gum hardens, escape, scrape it off as above. Well, this was a whole sheet, a bed sheet. And I think I had another sheet that added on it. I couldn't put my sheets in the freezer, so I didn't. So that particular remedy was not going to work for me. Now, the next one seems a little weird, but one tip of removing gum from clothing is to remove it with an iron. According to one website I went and researched, you turn the garment gum side down atop a piece of cardboard, press a medium heat iron firmly on the back of the garment, don't move the iron, as you spread the gummy mess. As the heat melts the gum, the wad will transfer to the cardboard. That seems like a good solution, but I did not go with that solution. Remember, I had it all over my sheets over two sets of the, I guess it would have been the the, the the sheet that covers your, your mattress and then the fitted sheet. The fitted sheet, I guess, is what covers and then the other sheet, whatever that's called. It was on both. I had a, that gum was not worth it. Another option for removing bubble gum is to remove it with steam. In this case, you hold the gummed up section of your garment over the spout of a steaming tea kettle. Well, I don't have a tea kettle. You steam, the steam will soften the gum, making it easy to remove with a scraper or toothbrush. Alternatively, you can set the garment in a bowl filled with boiling water until the gum is softened enough to be removed. Remember, it was all over my sheets. This option was not really for me. How about this one? Use vinegar on the gum. Pour distilled white vinegar into a microsafe container and heat it in the microwave. You dip a toothbrush into the warm liquid and rub it into the gum. I didn't want to risk this. It's, it's bad enough to have bubble gum on your clothes. I don't need to have my whole house smelling like distilled white vinegar. How about this one? Tackle the gum with canned air. Canned air does more than clean computer keyboards. It acts as a freezing, freezing agent that solidifies the gum. This sounds like a good idea. Spray the canned air directly onto the gum until it is hard enough to be scraped off. Yeah, I didn't have a can of canned air and I don't think the whole can could have gotten all of this off because I had a big hot mess all right another tip this is the route I went I'm going to skip over this one and come back another option for removing gum from your bed or clothes is to remove it with alcohol use a cotton swab to apply rubbing alcohol across the gum let the alcohol soak through and dry which will take less than a minute then pull off the wad with a strip of duct tape. That seems easy enough, but I didn't go that route. Another option to clean it with detergent. Use a toothbrush to rub liquid laundry or dish soap directly into the gum. This should break up the gum's fibers and let you easily scrape off the wad. Then wash the garment, applying stain remover if needed. Another option. <laughs> this one seems really crazy. Remove your bubble gum, if you've got it on your clothes or on your bed, in my case, with peanut butter. Spread a generous amount of peanut butter, creamy, not crunchy, okay, 
noted, you spread that peanut butter that's creamy over the gum, let it sit for a few minutes to allow the fats and oils in the peanut butter to make the gum less sticky. Then follow it up by scraping off the gum and peanut butter with a dull knife or the edge of a credit card. That seems like good peanut butter gone to waste going that route. I did not go that direction when I was trying to remove the gum that I had got spread all over my living quarters because I was an idiot. And I fell asleep with a piece of gum in my bed. (laughs) Lesson learned. So what did I use? The winning solution for John, and I will tell y'all if this ever happens to you, this is a pretty good solution, okay? I used gum removing products. So first off, what you do is you try to pull off as much of the gum as you could possibly pull off. I didn't have much luck. My gum was a mess. It was not in big chunks. It was spread thin all over the place. So I have, because I recently had to get this for pulling off some stickers I had on my car, I have in my possession a bottle of Goo Gone, and that is a chemical, an adhesive remover that works really good. Goo Gone, check it out. If you don't have it, I will be a celebrity spokesperson for Goo Gone. It's got a lot of uses. And you don't have to use a lot of it for it to be very effective. My bottle of Goo Gone that I've used a couple of times already is only probably 10% used up. I'm excited about my Goo Gone, (laughs) y'all. So what you do is you take your bottle of your adhesive remover like Goo Gone. You spray it right on top of all your gum. Now, this Goo Gone has a little bit of a yellowish tint. And it's got like it smells like some kind of oil. Some kind of petroleum is in this thing. So when I was spraying it, I thought, oh, Lord, I've just ruined my complete bed. My bed's probably ruined anyway from the gum, but I've definitely ruined, and this thing's going to seep through and get on my little mattress cover below it and really be embarrassing. But I put a heaping helping of goo gone all over my bed where the gum was, and the directions say to just let it sit there for several minutes. So I let it sit about five or six minutes. And then I came back with a rag, a cloth, and I started scrubbing. And that stuff came up really good. And definitely all the chunks were gone. And I used my fingernails. Now, ladies, this is not a fair thing for you. If you got long fingernails, it'll probably break off. But if you're a fellow and you got little small fingernails, it works real good scraping the gum off of your sheets. So you just scrape, 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 and the gum basically comes off and you take that the cloth you have and you wipe it up and you scrub it pretty good too you're going to end up finding that in my case my bubble gum kind of look pink you're going to see some pinkish looking colorization on your sheets but you you get that goo gone and you go throughout the whole sheet and do your best scraping to where there's nothing really there there might be some colorization like i said And so what I did then is I went and got off of my counter the stain remover bottle, what I use when I have a stain on a shirt. And I brought that out to my sheets, and I started spraying that pretty good on those areas that you could tell where gum was. There was a pinkish color from that bubble gum. So I put that stain remover on it, and then I took my sheets off, and I went down and washed clothes. 
And I just washed clothes Friday. I usually go about six days between washes. So I washed on Tuesday. That was only, what, about a four-day period of, of washing. It felt good because I, my laundry basket wasn't so darn full <laughs> like it normally is. But I washed the clothes, and the final result was it looks like nothing happened except there's one spot. I don't know how I missed this. There's one little pink dot on one of my sheets. Other than that, there's no sign of the goo gone. There's no sign of the bubble gum. I think it's going to feel real good when I jump in my bed and sleep like a baby. And I have learned my lesson. You don't go chewing gum and spitting it out in your bed because you're going to have what happened to me. And I've lived a long time. And I've even double-checked with my mother before getting on here. She says, no, I don't think you ever had that problem growing up. I have just experienced my first bubblegum catastrophe. And I have made it through on the other side. And I've taken this disaster to inform y'all what you can do when you have your own catastrophe. And maybe the goo-gone option's not for you. But it sure worked for me. And I'm a big believer. But you also better go wash those clothes as soon as you can. I think that also was a big factor in not only getting the gum out even more, but definitely keeping my clothing from being stained with that kind of golden-looking goo-gone. But the goo-gone, it'd be good. It was a goo-gone good day for me after such a dad-blame-bad night caused by crazy Bubble gum, double bubble. I'm mad at you. No, I'm I'm actually mad at myself. It's it's all on me. I'll take the take the blame on this one. Hope y'all enjoyed that confession here from your host of the Y'all Show, John Rawl. We will come right back. We've got a few more headlines we need to squeeze in, and we'll do that as the Y'all Show wraps up here on this Wednesday. How about some bubble gum, y'all? We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. I never pick cotton. But my mother did, and my brother did, and my sister did, and my daddy died young Working in a coal mine When I was just a baby, too little for a cotton sack 
I played in the dirt while the others worked Till they couldn't straighten up their backs And I made myself a promise When I was big enough to run That I'd never stay a single day In that Oklahoma sun And I never pick cotton I feel you there, Roy. We're back on y'all looking at some headlines across the southeast. 803-816-1170 is our number if you want to get in touch with us. And here at the Y'all Show, we pick up some more headlines from across the southeast. You know, it's football time in North Carolina. And therefore, when you see footballs flying around, it might not be that much of an eye-popping thing. But you don't go putting footballs near a prison fence in the Tar Hill State because that kind of brings the authorities to the attention of what's going on. And in Hoffman, North Carolina, corrections officials say officers at a North Carolina prison found a football filled with drugs near a prison fence. As the North Carolina Department of Public Safety says, staffers at the Morrison Correctional Institution in Hoffman spotted this football in an odd location, you think? The football was between the inner and outer fences of the prison. Crews grabbed the ball and took it apart. Inside, officials say they found tobacco, marijuana, and crystal meth. Investigators say they were able to link the failed delivery to an offender serving time at the prison. Boy, that probably took a long time to figure out who that belonged to. But yeah, somebody had to carve up a nice, beautiful football and put awful drugs inside of it. Marijuana and crystal meth and tobacco all in this football. I wonder how the velocity on that thing is when it's filled up with all that kind of stuff. You know, normally footballs are filled with air. <laughs> Not this crazy stuff. I don't know if you'd want to punt that football. But yeah, another way to sneak in drugs, and in this case, trying to get it into the Morrison Correctional Institution there in Hoffman, North Carolina. I'm glad they caught it. But what a waste of a good football. Man, I hate that. All right, let's go to Prince George's County in Maryland. Have you heard about the five escapees there? No, they're not from a prison. They weren't throwing a football filled up with all kind of drugs there, and that's why they escaped. No, the five escapees are five zebras that escaped from a Maryland farm nearly a month ago, and they are still not accounted for. They got away August 31st from Upper Marlboro. They were on a private farm there, and that's about 20 miles southeast of Washington, D.C. Maybe they're hanging out there with Joe Biden. Prince George's County's Animal Control told a local newspaper the caretakers have been trying to lure the animals into a fenced feeding area ever since. Zebras have to be corralled to be captured. They cannot be chased. Didn't know that. Three of the animals have been traveling together while the other two have been in a pair, and they still have not caught them. Now, there's a connection to the Obama administration in this zebra story. Zebras gone wild. (laughs) Joshua Du Bois, who worked for the White House during the Obama administration, he tweeted September 19th that he and his wife dressed up their three children in zebra print outfits to go zebra hunting, and he shared a video and photos of when they found the animals. But they still haven't caught them. Have you heard about 
Washington, D.C. Delegate Eleanor Norton. She represents D.C. in Congress. She joked in a statement back on September 10th that despite her general support for freedom and her recent opposition to fences, referring to the fences around the Capitol, she was not responsible for setting the zebras free. You've got zebras on the loose, five of them, in Prince George's County, Maryland. This is a big news story around that area. You know, you don't normally see zebras running around in the southeast, and we got five, five of them right now having a good time. Maybe they're trying to find home, wherever that is, I guess somewhere in Africa. Is Africa the only place zebras are native? I think I'm right on that, but I might have been asleep that day in school. So if you see a zebra, let the folks know in Prince George's County, Maryland, that they're somewhere where you're calling from and they can get these things corralled and get them back to safety and make sure they don't get hit by a car or something like that. We would hate for that kind of story to happen. That would be a real downer. Well, that's a quick look what's going on across the South here from a news standpoint. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this Wednesday show. Thank you for listening to Y'all, where we accentuate the South. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBS-C. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Final segment here as we close out our midweek edition of Y'all. For some of you, don't forget, you got to go to church. Might be a church night for some of you here across the southeast. And others of you might want to go ahead and start your getting into the weekend mode if you'd like to here on this Wednesday. Hey, we're going to wrap up here with a quick preview of what's ahead the rest of the week here on the Y'all Show. Make sure you tune us in on Thursday. We'll have an SEC report. Also, more hashtag hullabaloo, where we go on social media and find out all that's going on 
on that front. Also coming up on the Thursday Y'all Show, we've got a look at entertainment news, plus all that's going on in Nashville with the country music scene. That's coming your way on the Thursday Y'all Show. Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on southern business that she'll be filing with us on Thursday. Plus, we will have a look at some of the great festivals arriving this weekend as we bring in the first weekend of October. When you check back with us on Friday, our Friday Y'all Show includes our one, the Y'all Kickoff Show. We will walk through all the big matchups across the Southeast in terms of college football. We will have some audio from coaches and players. We will also bring on the field marshal of football foretelling, General Gridiron. He's going to come on and put his unique and fun take on the weekend's fifth weekend of college football. That's what we have right now this weekend. So we got some big games, some big conference action going on this weekend. General Gridiron's going to break it all down. Are those dogs going to be able to knock off the Razorbacks? Ooh, that's a that's going to be a good one. Notre Dame's got a big game in South Bend this weekend. They've got Cincinnati coming into town. And then you've got another battle of unbeatens going on at Bryant-Denny Stadium when Mississippi visits Alabama, the number one team in the country, going up against the guy, Matt Corral, projected right now to be the Heisman Trophy winner, or at least he has the greatest odds, according to the people who make those kind of predictions. That's coming up Hour 1. It's the Y'all Kickoff Show Friday. Then we will have our buddy Craig Faulkner file his latest fishing forecast. That comes your way in Hour 2 on our Friday Y'all Show. We'll take a look at movies Friday. And we will have more sports and news headlines coming your way that day. And even more festivals to tell you about when we get back here for a fun time both Thursday and Friday. You know, we try to have a fun time each and every day. And we even try to occasionally share our own problems going on in the world. And for me today, here in this final hour, I took about 15 minutes of your time sharing a problem that I just went through. And that was John and the battle against Double Bubble Bubblegum. And Double Bubble, you won round one, but I think I won the war. And I think I'm going to learn my lesson and not have Double Bubble anymore when I'm laying in bed. Thank you all for tuning us in. Again, we are in podcast form on great options, including we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on the iHeart app, the TuneIn Radio app, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. And, of course, you can find us at y'all.com, the South's homepage. John Rawl thanking you for listening. Y'all have a great rest of your day. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. 
Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council.